0: Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Catherine of Braganza with your hosts, Graham Duke and And Ali Hook.
1: Hello. Hello. And welcome to Rex Factor, reviewing all the Queen and Prince Consorts of England, from Elswith to Prince Philip. Follow us on Twitter, or X, and Instagram, where we are at Pod. Rexfactorpod. Email rexfactorpodcast.hotmail.com and sign up for bonus content at patreon.com forward slash rexfactor. And after the non-royal diversion of Elizabeth Cromwell last time, we are back with the Queen's Consort in the form of Catherine of Braganza, Queen Consort to Charles II. This has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah. So Charles it. is obviously one of England's most celebrated monarchs, firm favourite on the podcast. But uh, Catherine tends to be rather overshadowed, not just by Charles, but also uh, by Charles's numerous mistresses. Mm. There's, I can sense attention, mm. but because this episode is not focused on Charles, not focused on the mistresses, it's Catherine at the centre.
0: See what she got.
1: Biography. Catherine was born on the 25th of November, 1638, at the palace of Via Vicosa or Vichosa. Where's Braganza? Is that Italy? Near Lisbon, in Portugal. Okay, well, I can't help. <laughs> uh, she's the daughter of John, uh, then, at her birth, the Duke of Braganza, and Luisa de Guzman, in Spanish. Now, Portugal had been a major European power in the uh, sort of late 15th, uh, early 16th centuries, got a vast empire... Uh, obviously going to the Americas and bits of Africa, etc. But a succession crisis in 1580 saw Philip II of Spain take the throne. Yeah. But Spanish rule is unpopular. And in 1640, there is a coup in which Catherine's father is asked to become the new king. Uh,
0: and he's just hes just a noble person that has a claim? Or just, is he a stooge?
1: Uh, he has a claim. His grandmother had claimed the throne in that crisis in 1580. But yeah, so he does have a claim to the throne, and he's recognised as having the best claim amongst the Portuguese uh, nobility. He was reluctant to accept, though. He's got quite a quiet, cushy life in the countryside, but his rather more forceful wife convinces him uh, to take up the claim. And she uses our little Catherine as emotional blackmail. How oh. can you find it in your heart to refuse to confer the rank of a king's daughter upon your child? Wow.
0: Manipulation for the mm. nation.
1: So he does indeed become King John IV of Portugal. It's a risk, though, because Spain obviously immediately declare war on Portugal, and the rest of Europe are rather slow to recognise Portuguese independence.
0: It has been a thing before, though. It's not.
1: Oh yeah, it was before. So it's only yeah. sixty years uh, that they've had Spanish there. The first uh, European nation that does do this, however, is England.
0: Oh, the oldest. Ally, oldest this military d- ally. Yeah.
1: No, well, it's mu- no, it's much older than this. Um, oh, so but they have had an alliance for uh, centuries, and sure enough, England is the first to recognise Portuguese independence. As a result, in sixteen forty four, John proposes a marriage between his daughter Catherine and the eldest son of Charles I, future Charles II, who's eight years Catherine senior. And how old are they at this point? Oh, they're just children, just children at okay. this point. So she is six, Charles is fourteen. Um, unfortunately though the timing isn't great because obviously England is in the midst of the civil war so the proposal doesn't go anywhere um, and Catherine mm. probably would have been completely unaware of the proposal she seems to have had quite a sheltered upbringing, the English consul in Lisbon stated that she hath hardly been ten times out of the palace in her life and the Earl of Clarendon, Charles II's chief advisor hyperbolically lamented that she'd been brought up in a monastery
0: mm. I mean it's not a good way to start with for Rex Factor points traditionally. <laughs> you're gonna, you need to be out there and wanting to, you know, cut the rug. Mm, yes. Or maybe she is. I don't know.
1: Catherine's father dies in 1656, and her mother then becomes regent no. uh, for Catherine's oh. son. Uh, and Louisa, the mother, remains keen on the English match, so she pushes hard once the monarchy has been restored in England in 1660 under Charles II. Charles had initially hoped for a Spanish bride, uh, but they were wanting promises that even Charles couldn't lie his way around without (laughs) actually giving. So, and they're still the big
0: dogs, aren't they? At this point, they're
1: still big dogs. France, as well, obviously, uh, the other Mm. the other big dog of Europe. But Portugal is actually a pretty decent alternative to Spain. In that, it's a very wealthy nation with lucrative trade routes to the New World it's known mm. in Europe um, whilst in return England can offer Portugal crucial recognition on the international stage and maybe some assistance in the war against Spain oh uh, I we'll see so it is just,
0: it's, this, it's the same thing isn't it needing to be recognised in the UN <laughs> okay. oh yeah of course cool. so they're on the Atlantic side so they're actually benefiting from this New World stuff as well the Spanish aren't got it, haven't got it all sewn up
1: it's split basically there's an agreement to split it between Spain and Portugal so those are the two nations at this time who really have those empires. So there are benefits on both sides, but it's not a perfect match. A most obvious issue being that Catherine is a Catholic. Oh yeah. And whilst Charles um, well, sort of secretly has Catholic sympathies, but is publicly Protestant, and England is very much a Protestant. Nation, which, of course, was a big issue in the reign of Charles I, with Henrietta Maria being a Catholic. Um, however, the Portuguese ambassador gave assurances that Catherine would be contented to enjoy her own religion without concerning herself what others professed.
0: That's a very forward-thinking
1: thing to say. Is is even that acceptable, though, at this point, after a civil war? It's controversial, but it's... it's...
0: Mm.
1: I'm trying to get by on that. Uh, The Spanish are alarmed by this, of course, because this gives the prospect of Portugal succeeding in their bid for independence, or for successfully Mm. being independent. Uh, So they try to put Charles off, claim that Catherine was deformed and had many diseases, and that it was very well known in Portugal and Spain that she was incapable to bear children.
0: Oh, that's nasty. So they're just just lying.
1: And they even offer a huge dowry for Charles to marry a German Protestant princess of his choosing. This is put to Charles, though, and he replies, odds fish. They're all dull and foggy. I cannot like any one of them for a wife. (laughs) I like it that we've got actual quotes now. (laughs) So, Charles doesn't want a German, so Catherine and Portugal it will be, which is thanks in no small part to the most generous dowry ever received or offered at least by to uh, any english monarch a lump sum of 2 million cruzados which is about 300,000 pounds uh, then mm. so about 49 million pounds today uh, as well as free trade with portuguese colonies in brazil and the far east uh, and the east indies and the ports of tangier and bombay wow and that's not trade with the ports of tangier and bombay they are given the ports of tangier Why, and bombay all so for in exchange for recognition and assistance in the war, so Charles has to send mm. some troops as well. Um, Bombay, of course, now Mumbai, becomes the launch pad for the East India Company and the British Empire, so it's really quite a huge...
0: A massive moment.
1: Yeah, a massive moment. Um, as I say, in return, Catherine is guaranteed a personal income of £30,000 a year and the right to uh, practice her religion in private, and Charles pledges to provide several thousand soldiers to Portugal uh, in their war against Spain.
0: So this feels like England's the senior partner here.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd I'd say so. Oh, really? Mm. Because I feel like we're still a bit of a backwater at this point. Um, England's not. It's one of those where England isn't a major power, but Portugal is really up against it because they are at war for their existence, Mm. really, with Spain, and nobody else is going to help them. Okay. But they are full-on Catholics, but they're prepared to turn to the Protestants for help. Well, there isn't really anyone else to. Uh... Yeah. France have made peace with Spain, so.
0: All right,
1: mm. brilliant. So actually,
0: well done, Charles. This this it was um, much more profitable for the nation than a few quid and whoever he likes. Yeah. So in
1: 1662, Catherine uh, starts her preparations. Uh, she learns a little bit of basic English, not an awful lot though, uh, and is sent various foodstuffs to try to uh, acclimatise her. To uh, what it would be like, so some beef tongue, bacon, Cheshire cheese, amongst other things.
0: Oh my God, here we are. What, imagine that. It's a lovely gift you uh, used to England. What is it? It's the tongue of an ox. <laughs> uh, oh, thanks.
1: Uh, the Earl of Sandwich is sent to Lisbon to collect her. Uh, and He is greeted with a week of lavish spectacle. Uh, by the Portuguese, so fireworks, bullfighting, processions, uh, and Catherine now very much front and centre at the public ceremonies. Mm. So, again, preparing wow. her for being a queen rather than closeting her away. She must have felt that was um, amazing, given her past. Mm. Unfortunately, Catherine's mother has to explain to the of sandwich that they're only going to be able to pay half of the dowry at first, but reassures him that the rest will follow the next year.
0: Uh-oh. Brilliant.
1: Yes, now it sort of reluctantly has to agree because he can't really say no at this point and go all the way back yeah. without the Queen. Um, he's then taken aback when the Portuguese start loading the ships with sugar and spice rather than gold coins, at which point uh, Louisa explains that uh, she was sending a man to sell all these goods in London to act as payment. So he would get a good price by selling the goods.
0: Oh. So what you're seeing here is your dowry a stage before the dowry.
1: Yes. And the other half will follow at some point mm. later. I mean, she's pulled Probably a bit I've of. Been in that boat. A, Catherine's mother's pulled a bit of a fast one on England, really, I'd say there. Mm. <laughs> Earl of Sandwich just has to accept it as a fate accompli and heads back mm. with Catherine in a, a very uh, pungent <laughs> boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What have we got there? A wife you don't like
0: and some spice. How did it go? <laughs> Not
1: good. Catherine arrives in England, uh, at Portsmouth on the thirteenth uh, of may sixteen sixty two, laid low by seasickness, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, her first act was to ask for a cup of tea, but this not yet being a popular drink in England, uh, she was instead offered some English ale, which perhaps didn't quite have the same effect. No.
0: Amazing though. This really this is the start of our um our like foundation
1: myth tea and
0: <laughs> the empire and all that.
1: Uh, Conspicuous by his absence at this point was Charles II. Indeed, it's another week before he actually arrives to greet his new wife. Uh, They married the next day after meeting. Catherine doesn't say a word during the public Protestant wedding ceremony, thinking it worthless because they'd already been married in private in a Catholic ceremony earlier in the day.
0: Oh, right, that one came first. Is that telling?
1: Mm. Mm. A little bit telling. Uh, They don't consummate the marriage that night, however, as a Catherine, basically, is still a bit unwell and probably on her period, uh, right. and something that uh, Charles expresses his relief about. It was happy for the honour of the nation that I was not put to the consummation of the marriage last night, for I was so sleepy by having slept but two hours of my journey, as I was afraid that matters would have gone very sleepily. <laughs> I mean, I,
0: I'm I'm with him there. <laughs> have a nice doze, wake up a bit. You don't fancy doing anything on behalf of the nation after that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nevertheless, their first meeting seems to have gone well enough, um, albeit they have to speak in Spanish, because Catherine doesn't really yet have English or indeed French. So,
0: Does Charles have Spanish? He does. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop Burnett claimed that Charles' reaction to uh, seeing Catherine for the first time where she had her hair dressed in sort of long projecting ringlets, which is a Portuguese fashion, was to exclaim, ''They've bought me a bat!''
0: Uh, I didn't think he was going to say bat Definitely thought spaniel Oh, King Charles Spaniel Mm, He's he's the
1: spaniel But he wrote to uh, the Earl of Clarendon In rather more generous, if not exactly effusive terms Her face is not so exact as to be called a beauty Though her eyes are excellent good And not anything in her face that in the least degree can shock me On the contrary, she has much agreeableness in her looks altogether as ever I saw. In a word, I think myself very happy, and I'm confident our two humours will agree very well together.
0: I mean, that's almost a compliment, isn't it? It could have been worse.
1: Catherine's granted a ceremonial entry into London by boat, rather than a coronation, perhaps because of the religious aspect. Looking to avoid any controversy there. Uh, The pageant is celebrated by uh, John Evelyn as the most magnificent triumph that ever floated on the Thames, though Samuel Pepys complained that he couldn't actually see Charles and Catherine amidst so many boats. They have something of a honeymoon at Hampton Court in which Charles plays the part of a devoted, attentive husband with whom Catherine is starting to fall in love. Unfortunately, though, her idyll is then shattered Uh, when Charles pushes her to accept, as a lady-in-waiting, the notorious Barbara Villiers, his chief mistress who has just given birth to a child by him.
0: So this is her first introduction, really, isn't it? Mm.
1: Catherine refuses to accept Barbara, but Charles pushes the issue, leading to a very public row, following which they barely speak to each other for several months. Oh, dear. Oh, dear,
0: oh, dear. There's There's no coming back from that, really.
1: She's already isolated because she doesn't really able to speak much English, struggling to adapt to the new customs, the food, the water, which she described as being like poison.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
1: Compared to the, you know, lovely streams in Lisbon. Catherine is further excluded uh, from court life by Charles. She doesn't get to en- go to any of the, sort of the entertainments. Barbara is given prominence at court and paraded around mm. in front of her. So it's a pretty miserable okay. time for Catherine. At this time It's only with the return to court of Charles's mother Henrietta Maria that things improve Because her presence forces Charles to make Some concessions to propriety Oh right Yeah of course Barbara's temporarily taken out of the limelight And Henrietta seems to have taken to Catherine Perhaps seeing a little bit of her younger self In her Mm. Um, And she described Catherine as The best creature in the world from whom I have so much affection
0: because she was Catholic as well. Yes, actually. and also yeah, struggled a okay. bit in her
1: early time with yeah. Charles I. Perhaps thanks to a quiet word or two from Henrietta, whose father had had mistresses openly at court in France, Catherine does finally accept uh, that she she will have to accept Barbara as one of her ladies, and this does allow relations with Charles to uh, repair.
0: Right. So she was imagining the perfect marriage mm. Uh and she just
1: has to accept this status quo, which seems
0: quite common, though. Was it not the case in Portugal? Oh, Catholics, maybe they're a bit more um, proper. I
1: yeah. think the issue isn't so much that Charles has a mistress. she's known, a, She was warned about that. It's the fact that Charles makes her accept his mistress oh. as one of her ladies-in-waiting. Yeah, and it's quite... So Catholic. it's very much in her face. Mm.
0: Mm. Why? Well, what is the benefit to Charles for that?
1: Uh, it gives pos- just- a position at court for Barbara... Sort of protects her from some of her enemies, and I guess also means he can see his mistress more easily. If I don't have to hide her for my wife, it's so much easier.
0: But he could have made her like
1: treasure of the croquet club (laughs) or something. Just make her just make a lord chancellor or something. I don't
0: know. Something like that. I mean, goodness, not not the person that has to put your wife's clothes on in the morning.
1: So anyway, so things do improve once she's uh, accepted to feet that in, that, uh, in that regard. Uh, but in of, but in October that year, 1663, Catherine falls seriously ill with a fever. with peeps saying that she was as full of the spots as a leopard.
0: <laughs> He's got a lovely turn of phrase, this man, mm-hmm. hasn't he?
1: It was so severe that uh, the doctors bled her, blistered her, and even tried placing Ooh. dead pigeons at her feet.
0: Oh, did it even... It went so far as the... Um, it's stage three pigeon spots. That is pretty tough.
1: All to, no, all to no avail, uh-huh. however. Uh, so Charles is deeply affected by her illness, stays by her bedside throughout the day, treats her with great tenderness, and he is even seen to be weeping at times.
0: Oh. I wasn't expecting that.
1: Mm. Uh, he still goes back to eat with Barbara in the evenings, of course, but...
0: Well, it's tiring. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, at times Catherine is uh, delirious, she believed uh, that she had had several children by Charles uh, mm. as a result of her fever, and she worries that uh, the boy is ugly, so sort of, to spare mm. her feelings Charles plays along with this and reassures her, no, it is a very pretty boy, to which she replied, if it be like you, it is a fine boy indeed, and I would be very well pleased with it.
0: Oh, I definitely thought there was going to be a sting in that tale.
1: No sting. It's just very, very sweet. He thinks that she's dying and he just plays along.
0: Yeah.
1: Thankfully, though, Dead Pigeons obviously did the trick. Catherine recovers. Uh, As does the royal relationship. If not with love, then certainly affection and respect. Uh, between them, okay. so Charles does insist that uh, Catherine is always afforded her dues as queen. So even though he's in- insisted that Barbara be appointed as one of her ladies in waiting, he does reprimand Barbara on occasion um, if she sort of pushes things a little bit too much and Catherine isn't shown the respect due to her as a queen.
0: Okay, so, so he's he definitely sees her as this is t- as someone who's filling that office effectively. Mm.
1: Uh, and Catherine is able to develop more of a place for herself at court. She adopts English fashions, hosts masquerades, becomes a, you know, quite an influential cultural patron, so she, she finds her feet. Mm. Despite this, though, she finds her position as queen increasingly under threat. Her delirium about having given birth to various children reflected the intense pressure on her to produce an heir, but despite Charles's numerous illegitimate children by his mistresses, sadly no children come from Catherine. Um, There are three pregnancies between 1666 and 69, all of which end in miscarriages and ultimately proves she isn't able to have children. Opponents claim that the Portuguese knew that she was infertile and uh, the Earl of Clarendon is impeached, um, mainly for a defeat uh, to the Dutch, but also with rumours that he'd selected an infertile consort on purpose so that his own grandchildren, by chance his brother James, would ultimately succeed to the throne.
0: I mean, that doesn't sound true, does it? But they,
1: they did say at the start. That's what the Spanish said. They didn't children. Mm.
0: Uh, which, um, which obviously they had no idea of knowing. Yes. Um, but is so is that part of it that you, know, you didn't listen to these Spanish rumours? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the Duke of Buckingham even planned to kidnap Catherine and send her to a plantation in America so that Charles could divorce her on the grounds of desertion. Who did that? The Duke of Buckingham.
0: He sounds like a swashbuckling <laughs> type, doesn't he? Yeah. Is, this, is he fond of plans like that?
1: Uh, Charles is appalled at the idea, saying it would oh. be a wicked thing to make a poor woman miserable only because she is my wife and has no children by me, which is no fault of hers. <laughs> That's very self-aware, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's no
0: fault. She shouldn't <laughs> because she's married to me. <laughs> That must be how Beck feels.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, calls for the king to divorce so that he could produce a legitimate heir continued. In 1670, Baron Roos introduced legislation in the House of Lords to allow divorce for the purpose of marrying uh, in order to sire uh, an heir, and Charles causes something of a stir by attending the debate in person, though apparently it was only for the theatre that Charles attended, declaring it better than going to a play. (laughs) yeah oh he and I you know rumours swirl that as a youth Charles had secretly married the mother of his eldest legitimate son the Duke of Monmouth Mm. and thus if Charles would uh, acknowledge this then Monmouth could be the the legitimate heir oh
0: right yeah
1: uh, Charles, however, publicly denies this on several occasions, declaring, "I never was married, nor gave any contract to any woman whatsoever, but to my wife, Queen Catherine, to whom I am now married."
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, because he's craving stability for all his um, fun and
0: larks. He's it, he's come from a very, very position of instability, and that would just throw things out of out of whack.
1: The succession and the rightful lineage yeah. is sort of one of the very few points in which Charles has a red line and no flexibility yeah so he's like and, I'm married and... to Catherine we don't have any children therefore my brother James who is who is Catholic this is the big issue his brother comes yeah. out as Catholic in, in the early 1670s so people want to avoid him becoming king because they don't want a Catholic king it's a very different attitude to Henry VIII isn't it yeah They're saying, look, we're going to have new law that means you can divorce your wife. No, 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 no. don't worry about me.
0: OK, well, we'll nick her for you. (laughs) Nope. By
1: 1678, however, Catherine's uh, very life uh, is in danger. Uh, The notorious Titus Oates made outlandish accusations in what became known as the Popish Plot whereby uh, numerous Catholics are accused of plotting to assassinate Charles and return England to Catholicism. And indeed, Oates claims that Catherine had planned to poison Charles in revenge for his repeated infidelity. Who's this fella? Titus, Titus Oates. Oates. Just a bit of yeah. a ne'er-do-well.
0: He, But where? Did, how does he popped up? Is he a member of the public who just had a word?
1: Uh, he has a word. He finds some other people who have a word, does some pamphlets. But basically, there are people at court who are... Who have interest in,
0: in what what is Accepting
1: yeah. nonsense. Um, okay. So Charles immediately recognises this is all nonsense, doesn't believe it for a second. He actually personally interrogates Oates um, and explo- uh, ex-, uh, what's the word? ex exposes numerous holes in his stories. Um, mm. And indeed Oates is forced to admit that he never saw any of the Queen's letters to the other conspirators. Uh, and it's clear it's all just a lot of nonsense, but growing vitriol against Catholicism. As I said, James's, uh, Charles's brother James having come out as a Catholic means they want an excuse to avoid uh, a Catholic succession. Means that mm. Oates, uh, is Oates's spurious claims cause something of a national hysteria.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it it's on the edge, isn't it? It's, it feels like they then that's why he's craving this stability, but in doing so, he's he's um. It's all out of whack, mm. the centre of power. Is it religion or
1: him? Um? He's called uh, to uh, testify before the House of Commons and it' doubles down on his accusations, despite the fact that Charles has exposed it as nonsense. He then...
0: God, that's brave. G- g- Won't the g- same happen in court, though?
1: Well, I mean, you it could dig- do, but the point yeah. is there are people yeah. in the Commons who specifically want to use this as a means of excluding James mm. from the succession of forcing Charles to remarry. Right. So they, they probably know a lot of them, that it's nonsense. they want it just to be useful. So Oates declares before the House of Commons, I, Titus Oates, do accuse Queen Catherine of conspiring the king's death and contriving how to compass it.
0: I hope it comes to a sticky end.
1: So as I said, the Commons calls for James to be removed from the succession in favour of the Duke of Monmouth, so the exclusion crisis that's known as, and also for Catherine to be divorced, removed from Whitehall, and either returned to Portugal or sent to the Tower of London for questioning. Crikey. Portugal even send an envoy to bring Catherine back to Portugal for her own safety, though she insists on staying. Gosh, it's all kicking off. Mm. Charles is appalled at the rumours against Catherine, insisting that she could never do anything wicked, and it would be a horrible thing to abandon her.
0: Oh, He's lovely, isn't he? Well, in his way.
1: In his way, yeah. So for once, the mistresses take a back seat, and Charles and Catherine are frequently... Uh, scene mm. together, and Catherine writes to her brother of how completely the king releases me from all troubles in my private affairs by the care which he takes to defend and protect my innocence and truth.
0: Yeah, while well, she's got the king's ear, she's got nothing to worry about, right?
1: Mm. So when the succession and Charles's divorce are again discussed at length in the 1681 Parliament, Charles surprises everybody by turning up in full royal regalia, orb and scepter, and declares that proceedings begun so ill could end in no good and he dissolves parliament for the rest of his reign
0: wow even after all that he dissolves parliament mm. could that not have started the war all over again
1: i guess that's a risk but i think maybe the the it's turning at this point so this is 3 years in so you're starting to get a bit less of the hysteria and it's becoming a bit more of a battle against some of his enemies and okay, noblemen so
0: people recognise that it's not him it's not the same it's situation. not the
1: same as Charles I um, and indeed it does feel like Charles gets control back at this point and the enemies right. and yeah. the likes of Titus Oates etc all fall away at this point point. Okay. and of course Catherine's position Is finally secure, but sadly, only for a few more years, because in February 1685, Charles suffers what proved to be a fatal stroke. Does
0: he? He does. You sure? Yes. Well, I thought I thought uh, I thought she died. Do you mean did she die? Is that what you said?
1: She does at some point die. They're obviously all dead, but no, Charles dies before Catherine.
0: So who's the guy who said, um, your worst enemy is dead? <laughs> is she, by God?
1: That's George IV. Oh. It was just such a good quote, I assumed it was Charles.
0: I definitely did. I based all of the stuff I've been saying on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've been building up to this moment.
0: That's how I knew, when I said something like, um, you've got a wife you don't like, and some quids. <laughs> That was because I remembered that quote of his, of not his.
1: Of not his, yeah.
0: So he actually quite liked her.
1: Mm. Uh, He asked for Catherine uh, on his deathbed. I mean, he'd seen her before, but when he sort of goes to sleep and wakes up again, he asks for her again. Uh, But she was too emotional to come. So instead asked him to beg his pardon if she had offended him in all her life. Mm. To which Charles responds, Alas, poor woman, she asks my pardon. I beg hers with all my heart. Take her back that answer.
0: Mm. Oh, it's so true, isn't it? It's just regret. A big part of grief is regret.
1: But again, that's the that he's... Yeah, on the one hand, he, he's done these things. So he's made that some things difficult for her, which obviously isn't very kind. But equally, he's unusually um, mm. self-aware about all of this.
0: He's it, just super self-confident, isn't he? This, this is how he is going to be.
1: Mm. Right,
0: and I'd really love it if you came along for the ride. <laughs> um, do you want to join in? Brilliant. Let's have fun. Uh, sort of admire him for that.
1: Sort of a royal baseball in cricketing terms. He's like, we're just going to play like this. Yeah. So what we are, what we're yeah. going to do. Yeah. Uh, still, Catherine may also have helped to ensure Charles' uh, final comfort in death. As James's, uh wife, Mary of Modena, later recalled that Catherine had approached her Um, at this time, has said, My sister, I beseech you to tell the Duke, i.e. James, who knows the King's sentiments with regard to the Catholic religion as well as I do, to endeavour to take advantage of some good moments. To do what? In other words, we all know he's actually really a Catholic, and he's dying now. So so a Catholic priest in Catherine's household, Father Huddleston, um, who coincidentally had actually helped Charles escape... From England, from Cromwell's oh. countries uh, back in the day, um, is smuggled into the room and gives Charles last rites as a Catholic, so converting on his deathbed.
0: Oh, that! Um, or oh, that would be a very poignant event with that same bell. Because, mm. oh, well, oh, that really struck a chord.
1: Mm. So this may have been of some comfort to Catherine that she's able to help him, even yep. with the Catholic faith of this. But obviously she's devastated by Charles's death. For all his infidelity, she had loved him, and you know he had stood by her when yeah. he could easily, frankly, have chosen to use that as
0: the excuse.
1: Yeah, he could have sent her away, but he never did. And
0: he never allowed her to be uh, kidnapped, which yes.
1: <laughs> is something I have stood by my entire life. She retires to Somerset House for several months uh, in a profound depression and melancholy. She was intending to go back to Portugal, but um, a bit of ill health at this point meant that she wasn't able to. And she's still in England for the dramatic events of 1688. So she's one of many witnesses to the birth of a son to James II and Mary of Modena. Um, And she stands as godmother to the boy and testifies uh, to witnessing the birth to the Privy Council. But, of course, the birth of a son and heir means that there will now be a Catholic succession because this baby mm. boy will outrank James's Protestant daughters as a son. Those Protestants uh. who've been prepared to just wait for James to die and knowing there'd be a Protestant succession now take drastic action so they claim that this is a fake baby oh yeah and they invite William of Orange husband to James's Protestant daughter Mary to invade in what becomes known as the glorious revolution so James goes into exile William Mer- William and Mary rule as joint monarchs
0: this is fascinating graham
1: more on that next time of course with Mary of Modena but mm. for Catherine's purposes she basically remains neutral throughout all of this and just keeps a low profile but her presence as a royal Catholic in the aftermath of a Protestant revolution, is a bit problematic.
0: Oh, so she's around for William and Mary as well? Yeah, yes. so
1: she's still there. Yeah. So obviously James is uh, headed off into exile, mm. but Catherine is still there. And Mary seems to have really taken against her for some reason. So in 1692, Catherine does finally return to Portugal.
0: I mean, that's not... but I mean, most most British people tend to do that.
1: <laughs> or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things God, get I a mean, bit hairy. Could... Head off to the old girl. Uh, Catherine's return to Portugal in March 1692 is greatly celebrated as a full state welcome accorded to her in Lisbon. Mm. And she's very happy to return home, describing herself as having been exiled from my homeland for 6 and 20 years. She had a feeling that she'd never really fully been at home in England. Always Portuguese in her heart. Though That said, she did remark how Portugal wasn't as she remembered it. And everything was rather stricter and a bit less... Fun, so the English ambassador John Methuen observed. She seems to be somewhat shocked with the great formality and stiffness here and believes that Portugal is now extremely different from what she left it, whereas I fancy the only change is in Her Majesty's thoughts having been so long used to customs so different. He's absolutely right, isn't it? When you hang around with Charles II, <laughs> a, a, a party at Mick Jagger's house is going to feel a bit stained. <laughs> Still, she was glad to be back, and she intended to live in quiet retirement, away from the court at a Bembosta palace, which was built especially for her. However, her final years had proved to be busier than she'd anticipated. Her brother was suffering from chronic ill health. So in 1704, Catherine comes out of retirement and becomes the regent of Portugal.
0: Wow. That is brilliant.
1: Also acts as a tutor and mentor to her nephew, the future John V of Portugal. And indeed, she helps uh, steer the country successfully through the War of Spanish Succession, overseeing some victories against Spain in alliance with England. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, she was... This is like her heyday.
1: Catherine is still regent when she dies uh, fairly suddenly on the 31st of December 1705. Uh, And is mourned as if she had been Queen Regnant. All business in Portugal stops for eight days, and the court goes into mourning for a year.
0: Well, as far as Portugal goes, I mean, her influence on this is a bit of a reveal. Mm. But um, her importance to Portugal was much greater than to England, where she was useful in getting sorting them out right at their (laughs) start, giving them some legitimacy, Mm. or you know, giving the protection of Britain a bit. And then come back and uh, sorted it all out again. Mm. So I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah, so after sort of 20 years sort of almost on the sidelines in England, she ends her life a virtual monarch in Portugal.
0: That is absolutely brilliant. So That's
1: that was brilliant. the life and consortship of Catherine of Braganza. We'll review her after a quick break.
0: Battliness!
1: One of Catherine's biggest battles came right at the start of her marriage with Charles when he had the gall to appoint his mistress Barbara Villiers as one of Catherine's mm. ladies. Yeah, so it's a moment Charles fans aren't proud of. Yeah, so Catherine had been warned by her mother never to receive Barbara, uh, and she crossed her name off a list of potential ladies when Charles handed uh, handed that to her. Mm, but not. Charles obviously isn't put off by this, and then presents Barbara to Catherine at an official reception. Ah. Now, Catherine doesn't initially hear Barbara's name, so she's actually received her quite graciously, because she doesn't know who she is, but when one of her ladies whispers uh, who it is, Catherine's reaction is quite extraordinary. Her colour changed, tears gushed out of her eyes, her <laughs> nose bled, and she fainted.
0: Oh my word! What on earth happened there?
1: So it feel feels like th- the 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 robots malfunctioned. <laughs> it sort <laughs> of
0: cannot compute. Yeah, that's quite a reaction, isn't it? I mean, how did it... <laughs> Charles? How did she take it? N- not bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. Charles. Charles is actually, I was going to say, this isn't a good, uh, good episode in Charles's story. He takes it very badly. He takes it as a personal affront. Because uh. he knows that Barbara's got many enemies at court, and if the Queen faces her down like this, then the Queen becomes a focal point for opposition. So as far as Charles is concerned, this is a, a red line. It's one of his rare red lines. Mm. Um, so they have a very public row, neither willing to back down, as the Earl of Clarendon observed. The passion and noise of the night reached too many ears to be a secret the next day. The whole court was full of that which ought to have been known to nobody. The mutual carriage and behaviour between their majesties confirmed all that they had heard or could imagine. They spoke not, hardly looked on one another. The queen sat melancholic in her chamber in tears, except when she drove them away by more violent passion in choleric discourse. And the king sought his diversions in that company that said and did all things to please him. And there he spent all the nights.
0: So he's just... It, it had the opposite effect.
1: Mm. Uh, Charles then sends Clarendon to persuade Catherine to give way on the matter. But uh, Clarendon has to report back that uh, she will not back down and Catherine even threatens to go back to Lisbon. Mm. Uh, which Obviously is an empty threat, of course. She has no way of yeah. going back to Lisbon. No one's going to let her. But
0: but it, it, it's the only other thing she can do other than start seeping from every <laughs> <Yes>. facial orifice
1: <laughs> Charles dismisses most of Catherine's Portuguese servants, parades Barbara very publicly at court and excludes the miserable Catherine from oh, uh, sort of courtly entertainments yeah, so very much not his finest hour his own sister acknowledged this writing to him from Paris I beg you to tell me how the Queen has taken this, here people say she is in the deepest distress and to speak frankly I think she has only too good reason of her grief
0: yeah Oh well, that's good, someone talking straight to him.
1: Mm. But even uh, even his sister, whom he uh, is very close to, uh, isn't able to talk him round. He's not backing down and ultimately Catherine accepts this as a battle that she isn't going to win um, and is forced to accept, as her biographer Sarah Beth Watkins concluded. Charles preferred his mistress to her and all she could do was act with dignity in the face of adversity, however miserable she felt. So I suppose, you know, bravery of a sort for Catherine that she swallows her pride and accepts it, but i really probably have to chalk that down to a loss overall. It is a there.
0: loss, isn't it? Yeah. But I do like the idea that when you can't do anything at all, you can just, um, like, start melting inside <laughs> the reaction.
1: And outside.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a bit like um, a stench frog or something, or a, <laughs> a, a lizard losing its tail. Just make yourself... Uh, Physically that's just a very odd reaction.
1: Um, <laughs> her ringlets drop off and she scurries into the corner under the curtain.
0: <laughs> exactly. Ah, in Portugal you see they do start to grow uh, uh protrusions from the nose when this happens. Um I mean if they feel like she needs some points for that, just as a superpower. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Also of
1: course, we have the very surprising coda to Catherine's story that she ends her life as regent. Of a uh, of an entire nation yeah. in Portugal, as you said, she planned on a quiet retirement. Ends up ruling the country and proves quite an effective leader. So she uh, gets involved recruiting troops, helps to organize their deployments and the supplies. And as I said, under their lead- her leadership, the Portuguese enjoy some victories in the war.
0: Can we give her any points for that? We can't, or is that because she, she's queen? Not even queen mother.
1: Not even Queen Mother. I mean, it, it's in alliance with Britain at this point. So initially, we're saying Britain, it, it, I mean, it is effectively Britain, but it's not technically Britain for another ten years. But yeah, Portugal had started off not being on the same side as Britain in the War of Spanish Succession. Weird. Um, and But then they do change to England. So you could sort of argue that her victories are assisting the cause that England is fighting.
0: But we don't have any structure for that. There's no... um, Well, I mean, to be fair,
1: I think, you know, we've given... I think in the past we've given points to princes before they become kings. I think we've probably given points to consorts after they've ceased to consort. (laughs) The limit to this, of course, is that, you know, there's only the extent to which she is personally responsible for these Mm. successes and whatnot. I think she's doing a good job being an effective head of state but you know she's not it's not like she's a general it's not like the generals come to her and she says i think we should attack
0: and i think we've got to give her
1: some uh, credit where it's due because as a rule she is not a battley character at all and one might argue she's far too accommodating so to say she swallows numerous indignities at court and even when she does fight back she never actually gets anywhere so obviously barbara villiers she ultimately has to accept Barbara in her household. Uh, another early battle she loses when Charles makes his eldest illegitimate son, uh, a duke of Monmouth, mm. in 1663. Uh, James reported that Catherine had told him in much passion that from the time he did any such thing, she would never see his face more. Uh, but of course, he did do any such thing and he did see her face more. Mm. So Charles doesn't seek to embarrass Catherine, but equally he knows that she will blink first.
0: Yeah, it isn't. You're right. It isn't her character, and she still, she still should get some points.
1: Hmm. I think some points, but I think generally she isn't battley. No. She's got backbone, but she doesn't have a lot of. It's sort of almost internal.
0: <laughs> she's got an internal backbone. Yeah. She has no. Yeah. Um, uh, she's she's an invertebrate. Still, she? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Three.
1: Yeah, I was thinking three as well, to be honest, I think. Three for you, three for me. Six for battliness. Scandal! Surprisingly, there are a few rumours associated with Catherine. Edward Montague, Catherine's master of horse, was said to be inappropriate with Catherine, touching her hand and being in love with her.
0: Oh, my word. That's not her, though, is it?
1: Charles dismisses him uh, from the position, and Catherine apparently refused to accept another master of horse whilst Montague lived.
0: Oh, right. They were just mates, weren't they?
1: After Charles's death there was a claim that Louis de Jura, the Earl of Feversham, uh, or Feversham, probably Feversham, the Earl of Feversham, another master of the horse, so uh, a choice position, it seems, for Catherine, uh secretly married her after Charles' death, despite the fact that he is a an ardent Protestant.
0: That seems massively unlikely, doesn't it?
1: Mm. And of course Charles is dead by this point, um and he doesn't go back with to her back to Portugal with her, so mm. I suspect not. Um in neither case is there any evidence of this being anything beyond malicious gossip, and indeed in neither case is there really any evidence of Catherine herself being in any way inappropriate. So I'm not sure she really should be getting anything for scandal.
0: Or maybe um I mean what the
1: the um whole
0: ears popping and eyes bleeding thing.
1: Yeah, it's really scandalous, it's just surprising.
0: It was that, yeah.
1: No, I think that's a zero for scandal.
0: Subjectivity
1: This maybe wasn't so ideal for the previous two categories, but better for subjectivity, Catherine comes across as a thoroughly good egg, who's often uh, looking out for others in a court that can often be quite cynical and selfish. Uh, She nursed her good friend Anne Hyde, who was James II's first wife, as she lay dying, and then took care of her daughters Mary and Anne, organising masks for them and comforting Mary when she was tearful at having to marry William of Orange.
0: Yeah, she does. That's that's true. She's just—I uh, mean, they're both like quite reasonable.
1: Catherine's also friendly with James's second wife, Mayor of Modena, and helps her settle at court and organizes the first Italian opera performed in England in her honour.
0: Oh, Lovely, that's fine.
1: Catherine was always friendly with Charles's eldest son, the Duke of Monmouth. So although she'd opposed him being a duke, she is otherwise very friendly towards him and continues to be after that fact. She welcomed him into her rooms, plays cards with him, despite the fact that his presence is a constant reminder of her own failure to produce an heir.
0: Is he the Duke of Monmouth, as in Monmouth Rebellion?
1: Yes. Uh, So when Monmouth is caught up in the Rye House plot against Charles in 1683, Catherine intercedes with the king to spare his life. But after he's captured following a failed rebellion against James II, which is... The Monmouth Rebellion. Monmouth writes to Catherine for help and she did again rush to Whitehall and begged James to spare his life, albeit unsuccessfully in this instance. She even showed kindness to some of the mistresses, um, not Barbara obviously, uh, but following the Test Act in 1678 um, which sort of forces lots of Catholics out of public office, Catherine is restricted to just nine Catholic servants besides her Portuguese attendants and she very graciously chooses to appoint Charles's chief mistress of the time, Louise de Coiré, who is a French Catholic, and Charles doesn't force this on her this time, but Catherine knows that Louise is vulnerable in the anti-Catholic climate, so effectively offers her some protection. Uh, Charles, on his deathbed, famously bid his brother let not poor Nelly starve, by his mm. mis- mistress the actress uh, Nell Gwynne. Uh, now, sadly, Nell Gwynne dies just two years later, uh, only 37 years old, not because she hadn't been treated well, she suffers uh, a couple of strokes. Uh, but Catherine granted her son, by Charles, a pension of nearly £2,000 to ensure he doesn't slip into poverty.
0: Good. I'd written down here, Nell Gwyn, because I just wanted to say, who, who was she again?
1: <laughs> uh, now, she's generally dismissed as an unimportant figure in Charles's reign, but she does grow in, in confidence in her role and her relationship with Charles. Uh, she found ways to hold influence within the more relaxed court setting. So from about 1664, she moved gatherings from the formal presence chamber that had been favoured by Henrietta Maria to her private withdrawing room. And this ends up becoming something of a central feature to Charles's court because it's an informal space that allows diplomats, courtiers and others to discuss the big issues of the day, but also be able to play cards and enjoy listening to oh, music. Oh,
0: right. Yeah, like 95% of diplomacy happens in cafes and bars. Yeah, as uh,
1: Anne Key observed, this was a respectable court gathering at which even the most disapproving dowager could appear, but one that gave Charles far greater freedom than he would have had if conducting meetings in his own apartments. So although Catherine was the source of some anti-Catholic bile towards the end of Charles's reign with a Popish plot, for the most part, she seems to have been quite a popular figure. Because, as we said, unlike Henrietta and Maria, Catherine's content to keep her devotions private, so she doesn't upset Charles' delicate balancing act as king.
0: Yeah, she doesn't upset that apple cart.
1: Mm, and she's not seen as an enemy from within in the way that Henrietta and Maria very much was. Mm. Uh, Indeed, apparently when mobs attacked Catholic chapels in London in 1688, Catherine's friary was notably left alone. Oh, right. While Catherine generally keeps out of politics, which was also seen as a positive compared to Henrietta, uh, she was active in promoting Portuguese interests. So she sent Mm. her secretary to petition the Pope to recognise Portuguese independence uh, and wrote her own letter in support of this. The year before her regency in Portugal, England and Portugal signed the Treaty of Methuen, and while she's not formally acknowledged to have been involved, it's notable that she'd helped to provide the English ambassador, Methuen, with access to the king that he might otherwise have struggled to get. So that may well have been the crucial intervention that helps those talks to take place and a treaty to be signed.
0: Ah, oh, see. Just have so him she, hanging around to see her and, oh, look, here's the king.
1: Mm, so she does, even in Portugal, it seems, still is working actually to help create and continue the links between the two countries. Mm. She's also an important cultural patron in Restoration England. She loved the outdoors, particularly uh, enjoying picnics, fishing and archery. Mm. Well. And despite being uh, deeply pious, Catherine enjoyed playing cards even on a Sunday.
0: Do you know what? I think I, I think we'd be a, a match on dating sites. Mm. Likes picnics and fishing.
1: Well, that's the thing. And Charles likes all of these things as well. But he just also likes his harem of other...
0: Well, I mean, I mean, Charles and I would would get on like an absolute house on fire.
1: Um, and she could be given to some frivolity, such as in 1670 when she went on a visit to her uh, Audley End, in Essex. Oh yeah. Uh, and she went with her ladies in disguise to a fair in Saffron Walden. Just for the giggles.
0: Why? Why is there not a nursery rhyme about this? <laughs> uh,
1: but she was quite quickly spotted and then has to make a hasty retreat. Now, whilst it's not as enticing as Barbara Villiers or the more sort of raucous Nell Gwyn, uh, Catherine is also not a fun sponge, which she sometimes yeah. maybe is depicted as being. She enjoyed the entertainments at court, worked hard to learn all the dances in her early years that she could better fit in. Mm. So the courtier Anthony Hamilton Described her As a woman of good sense Who used all her endeavours To please the king By that kind Obliging behaviour Which her affection Made natural to her She was particularly Attentive for promoting Every sort of pleasure And amusement Especially such as She herself Could be present at
0: So she is trying She's trying to fit in Like I'll find something That I like Mm. And uh, I can get Get behind
1: Mm. Yeah In the art, she particularly favoured the Baroque Catholic painter Jacob Huismans, whose painting of her as Saint Catherine of Alexandria set a trend for noble ladies to be uh, painted as saints. Catherine's Portuguese uh, musicians are initially quite unpopular at court. Uh, People don't like the the wind instruments, the bagpipes. But she does over time supplement uh, them with virtuosos from across Europe and peeps who previously been a critic, had to admit that it did appear most admirable to me beyond anything of ours. I was never so well satisfied in my life with it. The music? Hmm. Huh. Catherine was also a little bit of a trendsetter in the world of fashion, so she enjoyed breeches and stockings to show off her legs, uh, and also trouser suits, allowing women to show off their ankles. Oh, lovely. Hmm. However, her greatest legacy is in cuisine. So okay. at the dinner table, Catherine was aghast to find everyone using only a knife and their hands, or maybe a spoon, to eat their food. So uh, she introduced the royal court to the wonders of forks. Rex. Fact.
0: Really? Are you sure?
1: Hmm. It's not the first time that they will ever have seen a fork, I think, but in England at this point, they're still sort of knife. Oh, job right. So it has to be introduced a as, a yeah, as a thing. Yeah. Mm. She also introduces marmalade. Which was originally not made from oranges, but quince, for which the Portuguese is marmelo. Huh.
0: Well, I never.
1: So Catherine would share the marmalade with friends at court, and reputedly she saved the bitter oranges to give gifts to the people that she didn't like so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> from which we get the expression, <laughs> eat the bitter rind.
0: So when they say traditional marmalade made with Seville oranges... It's a load of old tosh.
1: Yes, yeah, so the original marmalade would have been would have been quince. Uh, so we've got forks, we've got marmalade, but these pale in significance to our most significant uh, legacy, tea. You are blowing my mind, Frank. So tea had been drunk in England prior to her arrival, but it was mainly used as a medicinal drink, and it was certainly not popular or widely available. But Catherine. Is an avid tea drinker. Of course, Portugal—you've got all of those trade routes and whatnot—so mm. very much uh, a tea country. And Catherine loves her tea, and this makes it uh, a very fashionable drink, and also one in which it's more acceptable for uh, women to enjoy. Because coffee houses are sort of a bit more associated with men, and slightly seedier places, mm. whereas tea—a little bit more of a respectable society that is drink.
0: Amazing. I mean that. How much would I like to... bet? We're going for a weekend at the at the Braganza. Oh, what would they have been called? What's his surname? Charles? Stewart's. Stewart's. Yeah, we're going to the Stewart's for a picnic and they got some of that banging tea and marmalade. It mm. would be absolutely perfect.
1: How are we going to eat the food? I, I You can't really stick a knife into some of these cakes. It's all right. They've got forks. You know,
0: they're my favourite <laughs> one-pot, uh, one-fork... Yummy, 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 yummy. Yum. No, that's yeah, my absolute idea. We'll get the whole procedure over with as soon as possible. But uh, absolutely brilliant. We've probably done some fishing by that riverbank. I bet after the Great Fire of London, there was that Blitz spirit <laughs> sitting around with a cup of tea. That was hairy, wasn't it?
1: I mean, Paddington Bear would be a very different character with uh, without Catherine.
0: Yeah, with a with what would he have had a a, a a sorry a beef stock sandwich and a pint of small beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, despite her best efforts, as late as 1683, Catherine was still complaining to Charles that now the mistresses govern all. So, it's not a neat story of where she starts off under the thumb, but then actually she ultimately pushes them mm. away. The mistresses continue throughout. They're always there. They change who they are, but there are a lot of them. It may have helped the stability of Charles's reign, uh, of course, um, but Catherine having no role in politics is also a sign that her significance is perhaps a bit less. So, Elizabeth Norton's argued she was one of the least influential English queens, both politically and personally. Oh. Well, I mean, that that rather scuppers any um,
0: any subjectivity, doesn't it? You know, stiffening the regime, so to speak.
1: (laughs) I've got mistresses for that. (laughs) But... As I said, you know, very kind, doing lots of lovely things, some good cultural patronage. The fact that, in a way, her lack of role actually is quite stabilising, was quite suited Charles. Mm. She was a good match for Charles as a consort. A very good match for Charles, yeah. And, as I said, forks, marmalade and a cup of tea.
0: Well, you can't beat that. Bore.
1: Mm. I was going to go better than that. I think, because I also think, you know, if you, the question of would you want her to be your queen, I think probably. Oh yeah, I would want that. Yeah. So I don't, gonna it's not going to be. A, I don't know if it can be a high high score because of her limited influence, but you know, we've got all this cultural stuff oh, and right things then. that have a legacy.
0: Straight down the middle, five because it was good with all the stuff that she did within her power.
1: Mm. I'm going to go six. So six for me, five from you, eleven subjectivity.
0: Longevity.
1: Catherine is Queen Consort from the 21st of May 1662 to the 6th of February 1685. So a reign of 22 years and 8 months, 22.67 years, which equates to a score of 15.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Hmm. It's appropriately 15th best overall.
0: Hmm. I think she's going to do remarkably well, isn't she? Dynasty! Not the
1: programme. Sadly, of course, Catherine has no children, giving her a score of zero. Uh, joint oh, yeah, 42nd overall, yes. And that's to go with her six in Battliness and a zero in Scandal. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, overall, that gives her a score of 32. We've uh, had better it, ones. We have had got uh, a lot of better ones. That puts her in 30th place uh, between Jane Seymour and Philip II of Spain.
0: Jane Seymour. Which one was she again? Died. Oh. Well, that's disappointing.
1: It's not all about the score. No. Does she have that certain something, lasting legacy, the great achievement, star quality that we call... Rex Factor! Well, I mean, if we're talking about lasting legacy, Catherine of Baganza gives us tea.
0: Is there anything um, more impressive than that in subjectivity?
1: I mean, I think, you know, if we're looking at legacies, you've got Anne Boleyn, obviously... It's the huge influence in terms of the Reformation that really changes the course of uh, English history. But after that, the whole fibre of the English identity changes.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, it, I, don't, I don't want to overplay this, but it really, it really is a big thing. <laughs> it's hard to know what because we haven't uh, we haven't had an equivalent that seems frivolous but is really <laughs> important to national psyche. I'll give that five points.
1: Yes, if we were scoring, <laughs> then she'd be getting. Getting some points in the uh, in the Rex factor just for that, but uh, in a straight binary yes or no, I'm not sure it's uh, not sure it's quite enough.
0: Oh yes, we've we're not doing subjectivity. Yes, I see. I was going to give her five points for that alone.
1: <laughs> well, you did give her five points. <laughs> hmm. I feel, like,
0: I feel like I should have given her more points for that. Because I don't think she has the Rex Factor. That is what we're doing, isn't it?
1: It is now what we're doing, yeah. Okay.
0: No, she can't. She can't. Oh, Graham. <laughs> I feel like this cup of tea here is going yeah. to suddenly erase itself from history. Like, Does that future, mean nothing to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First you started a coffee business, now this. <laughs> no, she doesn't have it, does she? Correspondence Corner.
1: So that was Catherine of Braganza. Let us know what you thought about her. Find us on Twitter, uh, X at Instagram at Pod. Rex-ractor-pod. Email RexFactorPodcast at and remember to send in a hashtag cards for an episode image for Catherine. I'm guessing Queen <laughs> dropping off her tail or whatever it was we said oh, her yes. ringlets. What was the other thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. And... I love that.
0: <laughs>
1: or maybe you could draw that on a cup of tea.
0: But I could have, have a picture on that cup of tea. Is that that's, what you just said?
1: That's, yes. <laughs> Hang
0: on. <laughs> uh, I, I When you said that, I was picturing this
1: scurrying creature holding a cup of tea. <laughs> if you'd like to support the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast provider you use and donate monthly to join the Privy Council and get access to over 200 bonus episodes at patreon.com forward slash Rex Factor. And we have some new privy counsellors to welcome to the fold. Mark Taylor Anna Busty Baldwins, Cami Finkel Cody Lloyd Daniel Miranda Kreuger Jacqueline Cooksey Hannah Truby Alex Tanya Tate Tanzanite Dragoness Brooke Day Diane Hall Lucas Hall Kirsten Herman Yasmin Finity Amanda Hayes Lisa Wolf, Mike Hennessy Harry Tufts, Shirna Perez, Michael Langenmeyer, Carrie Yu, Katie Gunther and Abby Paulson.
0: Arise one and all, welcome and be sure to join us on Discord where Rex lives and chats.
1: That's all from us today. Next time we will be reviewing Mary of Modena, Queen Consort to James II.
0: We we are rattling through history, aren't we? Rabbiting on through history, more like. <laughs> 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 out?